0: Welcome to The Beauty of Conflict, a podcast about how to deal with conflict at work, at home, and everywhere else in your life. I'm Chris Marie. And I'm Susan. We run a company called Thrive, Inc., and we specialize in conflict resolution, stress management coaching, and building strong, thriving teams and relationships, both in person
1: and virtually. We are starting 2021 with a series based on our book, The Beauty of Conflict teams. We'll be sharing tips, tools about how to make your team work more effectively, especially in this remote and virtual environment. We hope you'll walk away from this episode and the series with some fresh ideas that change your day, your week, and even your life. Well, welcome. This is Susan, and we are here continuing our series on The Beauty of Conflict for Teams, which is based on our book, The Beauty of Conflict for Teams, Harnessing Your Team's Competitive Advantage. And this week, well, in general, every time we talk about a team or a business, we talk about what we think of as the me, the we, and the business. And today we're going to talk about that in the context of what we also think of as lighthouse. And so Chris Marie is going to dive into this and this kind of starts off in chapter 23. So go ahead, Chris Marie.
0: Yes. Thank you, Susan. So this is our fabulous book that we think you should buy right now, but we're going to tell you about chapter 23, which is the start of the business section, which is why are some companies so successful? And we believe it's based on their why. And Simon Sinek uh, put out a TED Talk, Start With Why. Even the authors, uh, Jim Collins and Jerry Porras, the authors of Built to Last, found that successful companies really had a clear sense of their core purpose, which means their core purpose beyond making money, why we exist beyond making money. Recognizing that all businesses want to make money, <laughs> that's that's a given. But you really want an inspirational, aspirational Purpose that's driving the hearts and minds of everyone, aligning the hearts and minds of everyone in the company. And it's not a marketing message. It's something that really maybe may never even be attainable, but is really a thrust forward. I mean, some of the companies that we use when we work with teams, because when we're working at the executive level, we help them align this core purpose. And it's really, they're usually short, like 3M, not that we worked with them, but 3M, their core purpose is. Solving unsolvable problems. There is Microsoft's old one was put a computer on every desk. Nike was experience the joy of crushing the competition. So
1: <laughs> yeah. I just love that one because you know, you think of Nike and that can sound kind of harsh, crushing, but Nike's like that. If you look at their ads, if you look at some of the things that you know, so they really have put something that the people that work there and the, often the athletes that are on their paid merchandising. You know, they're all about crushing the competition. they are not looking at collective sports and things like that necessarily. Now, if you work at Nike and that doesn't fit for you, you contact
0: us oh, and then yeah. put us straight because we want to know. Because these are, we just use these as examples and signposts to help other companies figure out what is our thrust. I mean, we have
1: a core purpose and we're a little tiny company. We started off, our core purpose was to change the way corporate America communicates. And that is still a very passionate lens that we work with. And we added to it because we realized that really at the heart of it. Well, you know, my personal core purpose
0: is to really help people bring all of who they are to everything they do as a way of bringing more of themselves to the business, whatever they're doing, but their relationship, their business. And really, when people show up more real, It does change the way corporate America communicates.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, what happens sometimes, though, is that a company, you can always tell, some companies have, we've worked in boardrooms like this, have a kind of what seems like an aspirational goal. But then we're in there with the top of the organization. And what we're talking about is how they're trying to figure out how they're going to sell the company.
0: Yeah, we're trying to actually get them to a core purpose, an inspirational core purpose. And they have a marketing version of it. But you can tell it's kind of hollow because really... We're just, we're looking for bidders. We're looking for people who are going to buy us. And that's really disheartening, If you're trying to do something different.
1: I do think that can be very challenging. And part of it is you might have the top of the org maybe all aligned up. Yes. But people down in it are feeling like, where are we going? What are we doing? Why is it? yeah,
0: Yeah. Because we've seen that. They're like, well, why doesn't the executive team, you know, give us our new goals? And they're so busy trying to find a buyer that they're the rest of the organization is like,
1: what? So again, and we have worked with companies where within their goal, it does seem like they really are all about making money, but if they can align that in a way that drives people, that can still work. Yeah, you know, absolutely. we try we try not to get moralistic about it. You know? <laughs> right? Um, I think yeah, I think
0: we tend to be more transparent, and you can't always be transparent if you're selling the company. But the idea, let's go back to really people are going to be inspired, and it's that magic ingredient. They will give so much more if they actually believe in the thrust of the company and what the company is trying to do. And there's a company why, but then there's also how do you align the personal why, my personal values, what's important to me. Like ours mm-hmm. line up for change the way corporate America communicates and bring more of who you are to everything you do. But everybody that joins your company, you want them to be able to fit. I mean, I was coaching a woman who was interviewing for different jobs, and one company that she was interviewing was Amazon, who was very clear about their leadership principles. They've got 14 leadership principles. She was looking at them, and she asked the interviewer, she said, well, who would fail at this company? At Amazon. I love
1: that question. Yeah. I think that was just a great question a br- to ask. Brilliant. She was being a lighthouse in my mind. She's looking for some <laughs> great feedback. We'll, we'll get there next.
0: No. And he's and the, the guy said, Well, you know those 14 principles? If you read all of them and you go, you know what? That's me. I'm with it. Then you're gonna succeed. If you read them and go, you know, there's a few of them, you know, I don't really quite like then you're going to come to the company and you're going to want to change those and you're going to be disappointed and those are the people that don't succeed and they eventually leave.
1: So I loved it cuz I do believe this person that I remember you talking about it at one point really took the time to do that and figured out no, it wasn't a good fit because mm-hmm. of that, which yeah. I love. That's a lighthouse. That is clarity. She yeah. was being a lighthouse.
0: They were being a lighthouse and you know, and it's there's no shame in that. It's like there's not a fit here. You want that level of clarity so people self sort. So you're bringing the types of people you want in the organization.
1: Yes. So um, it might be time to kind of talk about our next layer, which, you know, one of the things that can happen in a company is we talk about this concept of when a company gets into trouble because they start to create silos. Yeah. Now, if you think about anyone who knows what a silo is, it's that big round thing goes up and down, holds corn or something. Grain. Grain of some sort. But there's no great big light on it. So a silo is often, you know, when leaders get just focused on their part of the business, they're a silo. They're not a lighthouse. And you really want your leaders to be lighthouses. And what we mean by that is you want them to be aware. You want them to have that channel of clarity for their their team and their department or whatever it is. But you also want them to be looking right to left, 360, shining a light in the organization from their, letting the organization know what their team is doing, getting the information from above and below and around that's the lighthouse part.
0: I know we were working with one organization. This was a couple of years ago. And they realized they were one team, a part of a larger organization. And they realized they weren't being a lighthouse because they Mm -hmm. weren't broadcasting, hey, this is what we do and how we interact with all you other departments. And so nobody knew. So they weren't utilizing them. They weren't linking them in when they needed to. So it's that shining out, like broadcasting within the organization and also looking left to right, like maybe I could actually work better with my peers on the team. Because sometimes when the upper leader isn't shining as a lighthouse, making clear about what our direction is, what tends to happen is people focus on what they know, which is their own area. And that's how silos
1: are created. I wanted to mention, yes, there was another um, executive that I was coaching and they were really... Struggling, and they got feedback that they were not looking left to right. And I remember in our coaching session that that was a big thing because they were like, "I don't really get it." Like, and <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, and well, one thing, you know, I was like, "When you got that feedback, did you ask?" You know, because that's also an important part when somebody above you gives you feedback, like mm-hmm. you're not doing this, to be willing to ask the question. I don't really get it. And so many time leaders don't. So in our session, we began to kind of break that down. What does that really look like going left to right? It means you really have to be paying attention to other parts of this business, even though you don't have time, even though it might be uncomfortable. And recognizing that that's going to be critical, more critical really for your success. Your people below you are going to be much happier if you're doing that than if you don't. We talk about
0: this even at any level of leadership. Most people focus on the team they lead. And really for an organization, Organization to cascade and create alignment all the way through. It's really the team you're a member of that you want to be lockstep with your peers, even though they're in different areas, because it's kind of like for the people down below you, whatever level you're at, if you were not in lockstep, it's like you're, let's say you line up your team, the team you're a member of, and you have this big light behind you. And if you're not shoulder to shoulder with your teammates, the light is going to blind everybody. They're not going to see you. They're going to just see the light. But if you actually cinch up closer, go shoulder to shoulder, you block out that light and you're surrounded by the light, they see you. And that's the metaphor for like being in alignment really helps because then you folks are working together. You're saying the same thing. So everybody below in your peers department, in your department is hearing the same thing. And that, oh my gosh, that solves so many problems at an organizational level.
1: So when you're leading your team, Your job in the organization is to be a lighthouse looking left to right with your peers, looking up, looking down, not just focused in on your own team.
0: And I just have to, I'm going to put in this fable here. I'm sure you've heard it, but it still is because we haven't talked about what a lighthouse is. So there's a U.S. ship and they see a light out there and they say, please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to to avoid a collision. And there's a Canadian reply that says, Recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. The U.S. ship says, This is a captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. The Canadian reply, No, I say again, you divert your course. The escalates a little higher. This is the aircraft carrier, USS Coral Sea. We are a large warship of the U.S. Navy. Divert your course now. The Canadian reply, This is a lighthouse your call.
1: (laughs) I do love that. (laughs) And of course you listening folks, somebody I'm sure is going to tell us, you know, that's a myth, but you know, (laughs) it's like a fable in my mind. It's some very important information. And I think sometimes people try to be aggressive and loud and a worship and sometimes to get their point across, like I am doing what I am doing. And people sometimes in an organization can feel like they're getting bowled over by things. That's not really the lighthouse approach. That's just kind of bullying. That's, that you was know? one of our other <laughs> episodes
0: yeah. you can listen to earlier. In
1: this but season. when you're really clear, and this is what's cool about a lighthouse, it's not running around trying to bully people or save people. It's just shining You know, <laughs> on an island. It's just you, I just shining. have
0: this visual of this lighthouse on an island running around trying to, <laughs> it doesn't do that. It stays in one place and it shines its light.
1: And you know what's interesting is that not only is this relevant within companies, but it's so relevant for you personally yeah. to kind of look at and consider your own lighthouse because you actually want people in your company to be lighthouses. And when something is off, if you're really a leader of an organization, you want to pay attention when someone is being a lighthouse and giving you a signal that, hey, something isn't right. And hear it out. Because I think
0: so often people, when I start to coach with them, they're like, well, I couldn't, I can't disagree. You know, it's just, I have to do it their way. It's just no use to say anything. And their light has dimmed. And so you have to be careful because that's when people start to, it could be an ethical line that they start to cross. Mm -hmm. It could be just that they're just not bringing their A game to the job anymore because they feel so beaten down that nobody really cares what I do. I'm just going to kind of get by here. And that's easy. So you want to recognize or and support people being a lighthouse. I
1: was thinking, I mean I I have talked to leaders before when you know they realized wow, I didn't realize how numb I had gotten. Mm-hmm. And in, the equivalent to that to me in a in a lighthouse analogy is it's like there's been a fog and you've been drifting in the fog of information without paying attention to lights that might be trying to tell you something isn't right here. Mm-hmm. And you know, you just you kind of keep letting that fog dampen you down. And, you know, hopefully you can start to be that lighthouse and give feedback because, you know, uh, even a bigger organization – I don't think it's helpful. It's kind of like the Titanic. You (laughs) You don't want to be the Titanic, even. And, you know, that was a great ship, but it went down. And, you know.
0: And so, I mean, this is true whether you're uh, an individual in an organization, you're in a relationship, or you're even in a medical situation and you're dealing with, you know, all these smart doctors. Whatever you're facing, it is important to recognize hey, your opinion, what's going on for you, how you feel actually matters. It's very important. And so many people have talked themselves into, no, it's not. You know, I just have to do it their way. This is what my doctor's telling me. This is what my spouse is telling me. This is what my boss is telling me.
1: I mean, I think one of the saddest things I mean, and I am very passionate and, you know, about working with people, especially Who are in medical situations where they, and I hear it all the time, my doctors don't listen to me. Mm -hmm. I also have worked with physicians who are telling me, I don't know how to listen. You know, I have worked with doctors and I get that they have a hard pressed job. They're being asked to see people for 15 minutes. They're, you know, so I get there is an issue there. There's Mm -hmm. a reason. But boy, when I hear about somebody who's, you know, being treated for cancer or dealing with something that is really hard and their medical team is like, No, that's a dumb idea. Don't do it. No, I'm not going to look into that. Well, Susan,
0: didn't that happen
1: for you? Oh, yeah. So just
0: tell the listeners about that.
1: You know, I always think of this as because I was young, but I was young and I had made a decision because they had told me I had six months to live. And because they didn't have a treatment that really was an option for a longer life, it was more sort of a pain-free life and a short one at that. And so I had started exploring everything. And... At one point, one of the programs I really wanted to take was this program up in Canada, but I had, was on a wait list for three months, and it involved going with my sister. and I bet you didn't tell them. I have six. They've given me six months to live. I don't remember how I got on that wait <laughs> list, but, uh, you know, it could have even been the program now, knowing that center really well. Who knows? But um, w- what happened was I was determined that I was going to go, and I, I remember talking to my doctor, and my doctor was like, "That." is ridiculous. And you are going to come back here and you're going to be on your deathbed and you're going to be complaining. And I just remember I was so like furious. I was like, yeah, if I come back and I'm dying, I probably am going to complain, but it's still me. I'm going to do that. This is what I'm, you're not giving me any better options. Like, Mm -hmm. but that's what I mean. I don't know that everyone would do that with their doctor, but I was, you know, loud Mm -hmm. enough. And, um, I did. And so I went and you know, that actually was that program. Come alive, the Haven. (laughs) That's the the place. Is the Haven? Incredible lighthouse. Transformational for me.
0: Well, I want you to tell the rest of the story, but just so you know, it's at the Haven uh, up in Canada, and the program is Come Alive. It's a yeah.
1: Yes, and so you know, I just was very clear. I'm going to go, and I did go. And what happened when you came back? That's what I wanted you to tell. Oh, so basically. Part of the reason my doctor was so mad was they were going to do this surgery to remove these tumors that were caught in my abdomen that were creating a lot of pain and blockage. And that was going to be helpful. And I said, you could schedule it after the Come Alive. So they scheduled it for two days the day after I flew back from the Come Alive. And so I went to the Come Alive and I came back and had another doctor who noticed that I looked different and said, maybe we should check, find out whether we should do this. And I I knew something was Fundamentally different. And they went in and the cancer was gone. And they removed my appendix at the time. But um, because they, because there's insurance coverage, things like that. <laughs> so they take but, your appendix to
0: cover the surgery because there's no tumors. But, the,
1: you know, and, and what was interesting even about that was even after that, most of my medical team was not interested in what had happened. They right wow. away went to, well, obviously, this is not possible. And no, Curiosity about what could have transpired because mm-hmm. I'd not been doing their treatments for three months and nothing, you mm-hmm. know, and that always blew me away. So I really got, I often think the medical model is better now. I sometimes have to hear stories from clients of mine and things that are going on where it's like, oh no, it's, I, yeah. I don't know that it is. I'm sure there are individual doctors, just like in my care, there was that one doctor who said, maybe we should listen to her, <laughs> you know, and actually was it genuinely. Rock star person. So, anyway, I'm saying this because I do think you need to learn how to self advocate, even in situations where you don't believe you will be heard. Yeah. And I just I have a lot of passion about helping people do that. It does not mean it's going to work out. It mm-hmm. just means you are self advocating and bringing your voice forward, so you have a chance you don't know that it won't work out.
0: I think that's very powerful. I think it's powerful in the medical model. I also think it's powerful at work. So many people think, well, like what I was saying, well, I'm not going to say anything. Like, why bother? She won't hear me. He won't hear me. They'll discount me. And I, I have often thought that may be true. You may not be able to influence the outcome at work or even your doctor, but... If I don't say something, then I'm giving up on myself. I'm colluding with the environment rather than saying, well, yeah, this may not fit for you the rest of the team, but I don't think that's a good idea, or I'm uncomfortable with what we're doing, or this is what I would like to see us do. You're at least putting your voice out and I think people get so afraid that, "Oh my god, they're going to look at me like I'm, you know, the problem or, you know, sensitive or whatever." And so they don't bring their voice forward. They're not being their own lighthouse. They're not being their own lighthouse for themselves. Mm -hmm. So we're not saying when you're a lighthouse, you get your way. We are saying you shine more brightly inside out.
1: I'm smiling because, Chris Maria, I'm, I'm reminded of two stories that I personally love of yours. And one was when you went down to the dock to try out for a rowing. Do you want me to tell them? Well, I think it's such a great little lighthouse moment of yours. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay, I was like trying (laughs) to locate it. So
0: um, what you need to know, I'm an Olympic rower. I was competed in the 1988 Olympic Games in Seoul, Korea. But I never was really an athlete in high school. So when I was getting ready to go to the University of Washington in Seattle, I saw this made-for-TV movie about, and it was a love story, and it had a rower in it. And I was like, oh. That's neat. I like romance. I'll try out for the rowing team. So my uh, show up the first day of school, University of Washington, twenty thousand people. Oh my gosh, it was great. I <laughs> Go down to the docks to try out for the rowing team. There's a hundred and ten other women there, and these women are big and tall, and they've been athletes, and they are strong. But I didn't worry about that too much. And I walked. Uh, the coach actually walked up to me, and she said, "Jan Harville." She said, "Do you want to be a coxswain?" And I said, "No, I want to row." And without a word, she turned on a dime and walked away. But you know what? I didn't let that
1: bother me. (laughs) I was like- That's such a great lighthouse moment. (laughs) You went on to the Olympics as a rower, not the coxswain. Yes, I know. Yes. And
0: uh, yeah, I just, and maybe it was just kind of youngness, but I was like, no, I want to row." Yeah. What
1: was the other story you were thinking of? I probably should have done these in reverse because I was also thinking of the time where you really got- I don't ever want to be here again, where you weren't a lighthouse.
0: Yes. Okay. So where I wasn't a lighthouse, this is when I was um, working at Arthur Anderson. I was a consultant and I was leading a team of six other consultants at a large uh, software company, and we were doing this project. So we were just starting the project and coming up with our strategy. So we'd mapped out how we were going to solve the client's problem. And my senior manager, from Arthur Anderson came into our meeting and we said, this is what we're going to do. He's like, no, you're not. You got to do, and he changed the whole thing. You're going to do X, Y, and Z. And I was like, whoa, that's not going to solve the client's problem. That was the bubble in my head. But because I grew up with the Colonel, I never really was going to be that bold. So I just asked a question, which is my strategy for you know skirting around the issue. I said, well, do you think that's going to solve the client's problem? And he said, yes, get to work. And I was catapulted back to my dad's dinner table, and I shut up, got to work, led this team for six months, knowing we were really not solving the client's problem. But we got to the end of the project, and we did not solve the client's problem. But uh, Arthur Anderson, the partners, wanted to garner more work at this business, at this company. And so, like the six partners came in at the client site. They brought this, it was a corporate vice president in at the time. And all us project managers are sitting around the rooms. I'm one of them. So they're saying, how are we doing? You know, How can we help you more? What's working? What's not? And he goes, he literally pointed at me and he said, well, you know that project Chris Marie led? That was a disaster, a complete disaster. And I have to say, I felt so much shame and humiliation And I was like, I am not going to fall into this trap again. I want to learn how to speak up and be my lighthouse and say to my senior manager, no, that's not going to solve the client's problem. We need to figure this out. As opposed to shutting down, being quiet, and doing what I'm told and not having it be effective.
1: I think that was a pretty critical moment. And the difference between the two, when you were rowing, you said, I don't want to be a coxswain. I want to row. And then that one, you know, you just said, you asked the question, which is very interesting. Oh my gosh. You know, know. a lighthouse will usually make a statement. They may find out, do you agree or disagree? (laughs) And we all do it. And most of the time we do it from a place of fear, you know, for whatever reason. And all too often in companies, what starts to dim our well, in life, I think, fears. I mean, I think of the clients, the people I work in healthcare, the reason they don't speak up to their doctors, they're afraid yeah. of what they're facing in the first place. And oh my God, that's the only hope I that's have.
0: That's true. They feel very vulnerable. Yeah. Plus there's this big authority figure and they should know. And if I counter them, oh my gosh.
1: And I think in your situation later, you know, you were in a situation where you- In Arthur uh, Anderson. And Arthur, when your senior manager came in, it was probably feared where you didn't- Oh my gosh, yeah. yes. So, I was like, this is <laughs> the first time I'm leading a big project and I want to please him. And so no, I'm not going to disagree. And how-. But the, I always try to remind you that you know you realize you were in that big situation and that guy whoever it was person leader oh, of the, the big organization the vice president pointed at you did not point at the actual leader now isn't that an interesting yeah you know pointed at you so somehow you had a light in there right? <laughs> although you hadn't owned it yet so it was right you know, but anyway we bring all that up because I think fear is such a vital part of what stops people. I agree. And I think, well, that's interesting. <laughs> so this idea of fear, just recently, I heard a woman who was did a program on fear and shifting fear, but she told this great story. Like a fable. A fable, yes. And it had to do with this kingdom. And in this particular kingdom, when somebody was found guilty of treason and convicted, they had a choice. They could either be hung 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 yeah like a yeah, rope, rope. <laughs> i'm just saying that cuz you know yeah. it, it gives you the clarity of it the or town square hanging th- up there yeah. <laughs> or they could they had a choice they could go through this dark doorway ominous looking doorway and they got to choose and all the time you know i think 100% of the time people chose the rope and there was this one man who chose the rope mm-hmm. and before he was going to be hung you know right before he's going to be hung he was talking to the king and he said What's behind the door? And initially, the king was like, I'm not telling you. And, you know, I don't tell anyone. He's like, Well, who am I going to tell? Like, I'm (laughs) about about to be be hung. And and the king said, Okay, freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I hope you get pause on that one because most people don't realize that what's behind the fear, you know, fear is a doorway. A lot of people don't choose it, they choose the rope. Mm -hmm. Now, Fortunately, most of us are not going to be hung. (laughs) I think it's a slow
0: death. When when I stay in a place and continue to dim my voice and not speak up, it makes it easier not to speak up again and not to speak up again. And I start to... Die a slow death yeah. because I'm not supporting me. I mean, this is so prevalent right now, even with uh, diversity and inclusion conversations. If people don't speak up and say, "Hey, this isn't okay," like what we're doing or how we're doing this, we become uh, like when you're talking about being numb. Yeah, we get used to the water. Like, well, no, you don't bring up that, mm-hmm. and you don't bring up this, and and the new person usually shows up and says, "Well, why aren't we talking about that?" <laughs> and then people are like, "Uh oh." But, you know, I'll tell them after the meeting, you don't bring that up. Yeah. And that's just so wrong. That's choosing the rope, the rope, the rope.
1: Yeah. And you think about some of these issues we have to face and talk about. The idea isn't that you can't make it. It's not going to be comfortable. Right. So you have to be willing to take the risk Mm -hmm. and get uncomfortable and potentially make somebody else uncomfortable when you shine your light. Yeah. You know, and that is the nature of this.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think sometimes just a
0: little bit on that diversity inclusion and maybe this is all different podcasts, but you know, sometimes companies want to Well, we're going to do a lot of diversity and inclusion training, thinking that's a really nice way to do it. But really the rubber meets the road when it's those uncomfortable moments. Yes.
1: Because and I don't know, I've heard this and have some friends who do diversity training. That's really their core job. And some of them have left it because it's like, wait a minute, nobody really wants to change. They want me to come in here and make this comfortable for people yeah. to talk about racism or social justice or sexism. And when I say yes to that, I'm actually being complicit. It's kind of like, you know, that's not going to work to actually get at the real issue. So that is an uncomfortable situation. Another thing just around this whole idea, people get afraid
0: and not speaking up. And even when there's something, a lot of times I'm coaching people who are looking for a new career opportunity. And I always think, you know, when you are changing jobs, it's the best time to ask for everything you want. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 I can't be greedy. I shouldn't do that. These people want you. And so, you know, what would it take for you to say yes to the job? Make a list. What What's your dream thing? And then give them the opportunity to say no. That's one way to shine your lighthouse. Yes. <laughs> lighthouse. Yes. Your light <laughs> in your house. Now, the reason this is also such a big thing, uh, why we're doing this currently is, Susan, you're launching a program to help people
1: shine their light, become a lighthouse, right? Yes. I mean, one, I do what I call lighthouse coaching or lighthouse leadership coaching, which is on this theme. But I really decided, you know, I also love groups of people because I think that's such a profound way. There's a lot of lighthouses in the room then. So you yeah. get a lot of... Learn from other lights. <laughs> yes. And learn from other lights. And so I am doing this Be Your Own Lighthouse program. And I'm really excited about it. It's going to be six weeks. It's going to... Because I know not everybody likes group work. So you're going to get some power sessions with me. Private one-on-one time. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah i'm I'm excited about it,
0: because I think you you have helped me shine my light over and over again in a larger, kind of like bigger lighthouse, a bigger lighthouse. <laughs> and one of the things that I think because of your experience with the medical model and coaching strong leaders and One, helping them recognize when their light is outshining, you know, or squelching Mm -hmm. other
1: people's lights. You really have a great input. I call it, it's not a lighthouse. It's a, they're actually a car with super high beam lights chasing after people. (laughs) 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 Like that is not a lighthouse either. If you're you're trying to run them over, you are not a lighthouse. You're something else. But (laughs) this is,
0: this is for people who are either in an organization and they want to shine their light even dealing with a medical situation and uh, having a hard time dealing with their doctors and staying in Mm -hmm. their own, or even in relationship issues. So all these things all apply to kind of come back to yourself and figure out where do you stand?
1: Right. So if you find that intriguing and you would be interested in being invited to the Be Your Life, I've decided because I'm really not the type of marketer I probably should be. (laughs) I love this idea, of putting ideas out there. It's going to be by invitation only. So let me know you're interested and uh, I'll tell you more.
0: And it's going to be a small group. Yeah. And it's starting in the beginning of March-ish timeframe. and you can reach out. And it's actually a really good, affordable for, like, if people were going to work with you, it would be, for that amount of coaching, it would be several thousands of dollars. So this is going to be a
1: more affordable version. Yes. So
0: So if you want to access to Susan, which I get all the time and I have benefited from.
1: (laughs) And sometimes though, I am that little
0: running you over versus the lighthouse.
1: You know, (laughs) it's always good to know. (laughs) Uh, Well, you can find
0: out more if you write us at Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E at thriveinc.com, T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C.com. And Susan will respond to you. Hopefully you found this help. If you ever want us to talk about a topic, you can write that same email address, and we'd love your ideas. If you have questions or have tough conversations that you're struggling with, let us know. And if you'd like us to speak in your organization on conflict, stress, team building, leadership, we're happy to do that. Or work with your team. We are working with several teams virtually, kind of making team offsites doable, online, and building both uh, the smart and the healthy side of that, or coach you or join this program, you can reach out to us again at Thrive at Thriving, T-H-R-I-V-E at dot And hopefully you enjoyed this. If you have, please go over to iTunes and give us uh, your review. We love honest reviews, so okay. let us know. Take care. And be your lighthouse. Be a lighthouse. Oh, did you want to say how they could be
1: a lighthouse? Give them a little tip. We did. Oh, you know, one of the a well. Uh, first off, one of the quotes I love the most is, "I'm not going to do it justice, but you won't see a lighthouse running around the island trying to save people." And so, sometimes when you feel like you need to run around and either grab hold of a lighthouse or you or you think you're a great light and you're running around grabbing people, or your lighthouse is dimming. Think like a lighthouse. Pause. Drop into your body. Drop into your core. Breathe. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Let your light start to shine because your light is going to shine when you can pause, recenter, and then go out.
0: I mean, Susan and I were on a meeting and we both got off thinking, Oh, we got to do all this stuff. It was very inspiring. And Not kind of frenetic energy. And so we took a a five-minute break, which I know might seem really long to you, but we've been meditating, so we've developed our stamina. But we paused for five minutes. I put a little timer on and just settled, felt our feet, our seat, took deeper breaths. Very different response when we both ended that five minutes. So that's just a little tip. If you're wanting to connect to your own light, you do need to pause and settle in, turn inward and breathe deeper. So there's a little tip. You'll get many more if you join Be Your Lighthouse.
1: Bye. Wow, Chris Marie, I have sure been enjoying doing this series for teams and utilizing our chapters from our book, The Beauty of Conflict, Harnessing Your Team's Competitive advantage. It's been fun to go back and review the material and apply it to virtual teams.
0: It's true. And it's so much good bite-sized material in these chapters. I mean, if I do say so myself. (laughs) And if you want us to speak at your organization or work with your team, yes, virtually, we've been doing that, team sessions, or coach you or leaders on your team, please reach out to us. You can check us out at our website, www thriveinc.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C.com. Or send us an email, write us directly. We're happy to chat. T-H-R-I-V-E at T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C.com. That's thrive at com. Okay. Take, Take care. care.